hey, this is the Michigan Maniac Podcast, and I am your host, Adam Brewer. Uh, guys, please go to the YouTube page. I will get things going soon. I have had an injury issue with my knee, so I've been dealing with a lot of doctor appointments lately, so it's been kind of taking away from things I can do. Um, also, go to the social media net, uh, portion of this, the Michigan Maniac Podcast fan page on on Facebook and then the Michigan Maniacs podcast Instagram DM me there I make my own memes we talk a lot now the promotion I'm pushing now is fantastic please uh, go to either iTunes or Apple podcast same thing or to the fan page Michigan Maniac fan page on Facebook leave a review and I and then DM me your full name your address and I will send you a free Maniacs logo sticker high quality it's been they really have been flying off the shelves it's been fantastic i'm close to ordering third time around so things are really moving it's fantastic so let's get into this right um this is going to be mainly a football based podcast right now because i'm trying to get into basketball but let's face it uh i just it's hard man because i love football so much and I love basketball, but it's it's not the same. And there's just so much right now for an off season. There's so much going on in Michigan football. It's crazy. So let's get to some of this stuff before I really want to get to the main subject of what I want to talk about. Now, number one, Michael Dwumfor, transferring. Uh, at first uh, look, it, it doesn't seem great. It, it really doesn't, but... Uh, I know we're looking heavy into the transfer portal. Probably gr- going to grab one or two of those guys from Stanford. Uh, but I'll be honest. I am not that worried about it. I really am not. I mean, you've got Carlo Kemp, that chubby face assassin, coming back. You've got Chris Hinton, which I think will be the starter right next to Carlo. And then you've got Mozzie Smith, who I think is going to make a name for himself coming up in, in the fall camps. So you're going to hear a lot more about him. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping and I'm praying that Donovan Jeter finally shows what everybody's been expecting from Donovan Jeter. I just hope that's the case. I really do. Uh, And then you throw in one or two uh, transfer portal kids, I think we'll be fine. I'm not that worried about it. Uh, I think Chris Hinton alone, he looks... Uh, he looks like he could be a star, to be quite honest. Every time I've seen that kid play, it looks great. And then you got uh, uh, Spate, Jeff Spate, I think his name is. You know, younger brother to old Wilton there. Uh, he's in there. We got plenty of kids in this D in this D tackle line. We're good. We'll be fine. Uh, Campanelli looks like he's going to the Dolphins. I mean, I don't know if that's 100% true. But that seems to be all the rumors. If it hasn't been 100% uh, qualified as a real story or not, but it's a loss. To, you know, it's a loss no matter what. Great recruiter, especially in the New Jersey area, back east, Boston, all this kind of stuff. He's going to be missed. Uh, I don't think there's any other proof than that we need to bring in uh, or we need to promote Devin Bush Senior. I mean, there's just so many great reasons that Devin Bush Sr. should be a, a big-time coach with us because what he's done with his kid, first of all, bang. 
Uh, no, nobody's going to discredit that. Look how great his kid is. Two, he he coached a high school team that went and won a na- and won a state championship. He's won a Super Bowl. He's won a national title. He's I think he's even been in a Pro Bowl. Like you, and then from what I heard, when he's breaking down how to do the position in the Citrus Bowl practices, you you're not going to get that type of real expertise, man. That's some real shit right there. He's a quality player. He was phenomenal at Florida State. I remember that kid. He was awesome. So to get that kind of expertise and that coolness dealing with those kids, come on, man. There's it, it, It's a no-brainer in my opinion. I don't know. That leads me into this new hire we got from Mississippi State defensive coordinator Bob Shoop, maybe? Not Stoops, but Shoop. Don't know much about him. I I know their defense wasn't great this year. Maybe he's got some type of specialty I don't know about. I'll be honest. I just learned about this before I did the podcast, so I didn't do much research. I'll be honest. Just didn't do it. Um, but let's hope he's great, right? So now let's get into this. Now you guys have got to really just be so excited that you listen to this, this podcast. Very seldom do I toot my own horn. But when I do, I do. When I told you months before any of the major Michigan podcasts, like Wire, the Michigan podcasts, all the other, right, whatever. I had said leadership and mental toughness was the lacking thing for the Michigan team in general, right? I know I've said this. You go back and check it. I've said it before anybody else said it. It's just how I roll. And I want to talk about how just uh, Metellus was like his comments about Alabama game were oh well we're I'm paraphrasing of course where well we knew they were gonna be big plays we just had to accept it blah 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 it was just a bullshit general fucking answer to a question then you get Amory Thomas who's coming back for his senior year saying we need to hold people accountable this year we didn't do it paraphrasing of course. But I'm telling you, boom, you hold people accountable for the lack of, or their problems or whatever the hell they're doing. You miss a play, you get you get criticized. You get you get called out. Then you get asked to raise your play. That helps with mental toughness. If you coddle these kids, they never get tough. They always know it doesn't matter if I don't get called out for my bad play, I never have to worry about it. I never have to doubt myself. And that's the great thing about Amory Thomas calling them out. And I hope that carries over to next season. I really do. Because mental toughness, like I told you, is a fucking pillar to a fantastically run team. It just is. Now let's get to the main thing I want to talk about. All right? The main thing I want to talk about is the marriage between a great quarterback and the rest of the team, right? I wanted to say a great quarterback in the defense at first because if you really look at things, the defense needs to have faith that the offense and that the leader of that offense has control of things. That even if they if they maybe screw up and let one big play go, that that offense can get it back. And if that defense doesn't have the belief and the acceptance of the true field general on that other side, then I truly believe things get taken down. And I truly think that you see 
the problem between Michigan defense and Michigan offense and Michigan as a whole because they didn't believe in their field general, Shea Patterson. I know I have shit on Shea all season long except for the last four four weeks of the year or three weeks of the year, whatever he pulled together, but it's true. Now, I've thought about this and I've looked up things and it it's not only the defense, obviously off the offense as well. The offense needs to believe that the guy that is calling plays knows what the fuck he's doing and two, can make the plays when the plays need to be made. I mean, I have a friend. I have a friend who is related to one of the Michigan coaching staff and a prominent Michigan coaching staff person. And um, he was at the Ohio State game. And he said himself that as soon as Shea fumbled that ball in the red zone, you could feel along the, the sideline like a deflating of a balloon. He said it was palpable. It was no mistaking that they knew they, it was over and they had given up. In his words. And that's because no one believes in Shea Patterson. No one believes that our quarterback, who mainly looked and threw to his third option because the one and two he couldn't see or didn't have faith in, screwing us over. Let alone, I'll be honest, I am super excited. Super excited that Nico Collins is coming back out of that trio. If you were to ask me, out of those three kids, the, the, the three amigos... Black, DPJ, and Collins. Which one I would love to see come back for their for their last year? It is Collins. I'm glad that because I'm telling you, you're going to see that Black and DPJ might have been the uh, malcontents that fucked up the whole flow, along with how bad Shea Patterson is. Shea Patterson's awful, just uh, stinky, awful. He truly was the fart in the elevator, um, because the quarterback needs to be need, the thing I used to think quarterbacks need to have a rocket arm right could throw it 80 yards in the air could do you know this and it could thread the needle and blah blah and all this kind of crapola no what I have learned by watching Joe Burrow now this is probably going to end up being a very pro LSU podcast for the most part but there's some some evidence that and I'm sure you've probably heard some of it but there's some evidence that's shown that the number one thing that a quarterback needs to be outside of his leadership ability, right? Outside of being dynamic in that area where they need to believe in him. When you come down to mechanics, the number one thing I believe a quarterback needs to be is accurate. Accurate. Because we saw it. We saw Sunshine himself, Trevor Lawrence, 13 overthrows in the national title game. And how did that end up for him? Shea Patterson had eight overthrows. And I don't know how many misreads in that Alabama game. How did that turn out for us? And I'll be honest, I wanted to slam Don Brown on this. I really did because when I, I know I'm going to be a little all over the place, but uh, bear with me. Uh, Alabama... We held them, until that garbage time touchdown, we held them to 28 points. They averaged over 40. Now, 
granted, Jerry Judy getting over 200 yards receiving and Dante, uh, Dante Smith or Devonta Smith uh, having, uh, I'm sure he had over 100 yards receiving. And then Ruggs, if he didn't get hurt, who knew? Uh, but that's unacceptable. The big play is unacceptable. But the defense, if it gives up a big play, needs that quarterback and that offense to get one back for them, right? And we didn't have that. That's the marriage I'm talking about. The defense needs to believe, it, even if they screw up once, it's not a it's not a game killer. Because here's the thing. We didn't have that belief, and I'll, and I'll prove it, right? Out of the th four big games that we played this year, well, out of the four, well, okay. I'll say six, we played six big games. Notre Dame, Michigan State, Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin, Penn State, and uh, Alabama, right? We lost four out of the six. Four out of the six. Three of them, well, two we won, and the Penn State game was an anomaly because we didn't give up when we should have. But big plays were a problem, okay? But in that Penn State game, our offense actually got stuff back for us. When... Penn State scored that last and deciding touchdown uh, was the killer, but our offense didn't give up. Like, our offense was continually working. In the other three losses, Alabama, Ohio State, and Wisconsin, our defense gave up as soon as our offense showed that they couldn't get things done. Wisconsin, the, the Ronnie Bell drop, right? The fumble in the red zone after a huge, a huge drive. I mean, we moved it like 70-something yards in like three plays. And then uh, Bench Mason decided to go all, uh, you know, caveman and fucking fumble the ball like an idiot. Um, Ohio State, uh, Shea Patterson fumbles the ball, deflating. Uh, Alabama, pick a time. <laughs> Anywhere in the third quarter. Pick any time when Shea Patterson couldn't get it done. Right? Um, plain and simple, right? You have to believe in it. And I'll, I'll back this up with some numbers, right? Before we get into the accuracy of a quarterback, because I've got some stuff on that, let's just talk about how a defense has to believe in its offense or the, the, the player, the quarterback. That's the main guy out of all of this. The quarterback is the linchpin to all success. Look at the NFL. Name... There's maybe, I'm sure, now listen, I, I didn't peruse the, every NFL, uh, any NFL Super Bowl record and, or the, the scores and who was, what quarterback for what. But for the majority, they're all dynastic, amazing um, quarterbacks, right, that won the Super Bowl. Except for, like, Brad Johnson, maybe Doug Williams, uh, uh, Trent Dilfer, right? All those guys had contributing like amazing running backs that help them uh, get over the hump. Now, I'm sure there's way more than that. But if you look over the history of the NFL, what stands out to you and who wins Super Bowls? Tom Brady, Joe Montana, uh, uh, Terry Bradshaw, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Brett, Brett Favre, John Elway. I mean, truly dynamic quarterbacks that could put a team on their back 
and carry them to the to the fucking promised land, right? That's what you have. That's what Michigan has been missing. One hundred, and that's what a lot of teams have been missing. I mean, so let's just get into this one portion, right? So I say you need a dy- you just need a dynamic quarterback to win it all, and for the most part, the college football playoff will prove that. Now the results, uh, the show a trend. So the first college football playoff. Cardell Jones and Ohio State won. Not a dynamic, not a dynamic quarterback, but what did he have? Like I said earlier, every other quarterback that didn't have a great, uh, wasn't dynamic, had a great running game with it, right? So that's what Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones, the guy who I believe the first time he tweeted out, "We don't go to play school," actually spelled school S K O O L. I believe I could be wrong, but still, we don't go there to play school. That Cardell Jones had Ezekiel Elliott. And they were playing Oregon, let's face it. A big bruising team like Ohio State was going to just lambaste Oregon. Because they were so, I think the defensive tackles on Oregon were 250, 275. What are you doing? It's impossible to play that position. Then the next year, Jake Coker for Alabama. Who's Jay Coker? He's probably serving you right now at Ruth Chris. No one knows who the fuck that is. But you know who we do know? Derrick Henry. First two years, boom. Quarterbacks that weren't great but had great running backs. Now, the trend starts. Third year, Deshaun Watson. Needed no help there. Fantastic quarterback. Can't believe that he wasn't drafted earlier than he was. Then the next year, Tua. Came in at halftime for Jalen Hurts. Brought Alabama back over Georgia. Then the next one, Sunshine himself. Did it. Unbelievable. Looked fantastic. Didn't had a great running back in ETN, but didn't need his help. Over 300 yards passing, whatever it was, to beat Alabama. And I mean beat them like a drum. And then this year, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is having a, a season that no one in the history of college football could have ever imagined anybody ever having. But Right again, a dynamic quarterback. Just to give you an idea, Joe Burrow has 60 touchdowns this season by himself. 60. And we're going to use our guy, Shea Patterson. It took Shea Patterson two years just to get 45 touchdowns. And if you add in the 15 interceptions he had over those two years, that gets you to the 60 touchdowns that Joe Burrow had on his own. My, just to let you know, Joe Burrow only had six interceptions in this year alone. That's it. Six. Um, Shea Patterson, 5,661 yards passing in two seasons. Joe Burrow, 5,671 passing yards in one season. That is tied third for the most passing yards ever. All time, right? 60 touchdowns, first, all time, college football. 65 touchdowns responsible for, first, all time, college football. 76.3% completion rate. Now listen to what I just said. 76% of the fucking time, he's completing a pass. Tell me that doesn't give belief. That doesn't that doesn't build belief in your quarterback, belief in your offense. And of course he has elite wide receivers. I get it. Jefferson 
and uh, Chase are off the charts. And then you throw in Randy Moss's kid at a tight end. Phenomenal. We're not arguing that. But we didn't have slouches at, at wide receiver either. But when your quarterback, Shea Patterson, threw for his completion percentage was 56%. 56%. He basically was throwing, every time he threw the ball, it was a 50-50 chance that he completed that fucking thing. Now tell me how a defense is supposed to believe that even if they make one mistake, that our quarterback, our leader, our field general is going to get it back for us, right? Now, LSU doesn't have a great defense. It wasn't phenomenal. And matter of fact, if you look at the numbers, Michigan had a top 10, a matter of fact, ranked 10th in the nation at the end of this year, ranked 10th in the nation at defense. You know what LSU was? 27th overall. Tell me what we couldn't have done with a quarterback that we believed in. Tell me what we couldn't have done. It's not that the fucking talent level is so vastly different between Ohio State and Michigan. Right, But when you have malcontents in the wide receiving core, you have, and probably throughout some other portions of the offense, you have no belief in your quarterback because he couldn't hit a, the broad side of a barn. He couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. And that's the guy that you're supposed to believe in? One, every other pass he threw was incomplete. How am I supposed to believe that when we get, and then when he gets in the red zone, he fumbles the ball? Or he, or he does something else, he does something stupid. How are we supposed to believe that that, how do you believe in that guy? Because look, here's the thing, and I'm going to point out three games in LSU season that is proof that they didn't, they gave up huge plays and still won the game because Joe Burrow took them on his back and won the game. Texas. Texas. They won 45-38. At that point in time, Texas was ranked ninth. Their quarterback threw for 401 yards, four touchdowns. 401 and four touchdowns. Their wide receiving, their number one wide receiver had 12 receptions for 154 and two touchdowns. And then their second wide receiver had five catches for 116 and a touchdown. And they still won the game. LSU still pulled it off. There was that, I watched that game personally. I know there was at least three or four big plays Texas had. It was freaking 45 to 38. But LSU's defense was bailed out because LSU's offense knew what it was doing. It had the the culmination of Joe Burrow and Joe Madden, I think the kid's name is, whatever that, that quarterback kid, Joe Brady. Joe Brady. Joe Brady and Joe Burrow together making one hell of a conceit. A conceit ah, can't even talk right now. Just melding together. Making one hell of a fucking team. And they, then two, here's another one, Bama, okay, common opponent in Tuscaloosa, 
Tua threw for 418 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Their running back, Harris, had 19 carries for 146 and one touchdown. And Devonta Smith had seven catches for 213 yards and two touchdowns. But still, LSU pulled out the game 46-41. At the time, Ben was ranked second. Do you think they gave up? They knew they were giving up big plays. You saw how many big If you watch that game, Bama, Bama had one big play to Ruggs, I think, towards the end of the game that even made it that close. But the defense could play and kind of be opportunistic and take chances because they knew even if they gave up that big play, that Brady and Burrow knew what they could do and they could make the passes. When your quarterback's completing 76% of his passes. How do you ever doubt him? And he's putting up 60 touchdowns. 60! 60 touchdowns. And how do you doubt that? You just go out there and you play. So what if you give up one or two big plays? You still are in the game. You don't fret. You don't tighten up. You play loose. You enjoy playing the game because you know even if you play too aggressive and one goes over your head or you miss a tackle or you do something, your offense can save you. You know Joe Burrow can save you. And then Old Miss. I know everybody was saying I was going to say Clemson. No. Clemson's a good proof that that's a confident defense that wasn't as good as Clemson's defense that can shut down anybody because they they had no worries. They went out there. Defense needs to play with all the confidence in the world because they're the last line of defense between the score. They need to be cocky. They need to play uh, like arrogant assholes. They need to be hard-hitting and angry and aggressive because that's what defense is. But they got to have a quarterback and an offense that is always attacking as well because then it creates more opportunity. Your quarterback, for heaven's sakes, is completing 76%. I know I've said that a lot this episode, but that needs to be remembered. 76% of his passes were completed. And just remember... Every 56% of Shea Patterson's was completed this season alone. Huge 20% difference. What could we do with that 20%? If Joe Burrow in that Bama game in the Citrus Bowl, if he was playing for us, you think he would have missed Nico Collins on those fucking big ass plays? You think he wouldn't have seen DPJ beat his, his guys numerous times and not have the ball thrown to him? Now, granted, our wide receivers didn't do us any fucking help by running eight yard outs when it was a ten yard, a ten yard first down, or dropping passes when we need them to catch it. Uh, Ronnie Bell, I hate to say it, but Ronnie Bell in the Penn State game fucked us. Uh, DPJ and uh, the the Buckeye game fucked us. I mean, there's been plenty of times, plenty of times in big moments that our wide receivers fucked us, but it. Shea Patterson overall has the ball in his hand every play and needs to be held responsible for that. And you know who else needs to be held responsible? The coaching staff. If you can't see that your boy is only completing 56% of his passes, then how bad Milton and, and McCaffrey must be then? How little confidence do you have in our backups that that's the case? Old Miss, here's the next one. Old Miss, I saw this one personally. And you should go to YouTube and watch the highlights of the LSU Old Miss game. Johnny Ray, Johnny Rice Plumley, I think is his full name. The quarterback for Old Miss is 
phenomenal. I, he's electric. Electric. I've never seen so many 30-yard plays at a clip in my life, I think. It was phenomenal. So, Plumlee had... Now, this is not going to blow you away with his passing numbers, but it was... He threw for 123 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. But he ran for 212 yards and four touchdowns. That's their quarterback. Four, 212 yards rushing, four touchdowns. Their running back ran for uh, 13 carries for 141. And then their wide receiver had nine. Nine for 100 and something. I didn't write. I didn't write. Oh, because of the sack. That's why. Okay. So Plumlee had a few sacks. That's why he had 123 yards total passing yards. But the wide receiver had nine for 143 and one touchdown. I know. A little weird. Threw me off. Um, so LSU's defense wasn't great. 27th ranked in the nation. But they could go out there and play balls out because they knew if they made a mistake... Joe Burrow and that offense could save their ass. That's the marriage between offense and defense. The cohesion that the offense and defense have to have so we can be successful. And the, the three things that we have been lacking this season alone. One, accountability. Uh, that also goes along with mental toughness. Coaching and a quarterback. You didn't have the coaching staff hold these guys accountable, so therefore they became mentally weak and they, they did not take accountability upon themselves. And you, the leaders like just like Metellus did not did not hold other people. He's like, ah, there's going to be big passes. We knew they were going to give up. We knew we were going to give up big plays. And he acted like it was just a casual fucking thing. Amory Thomas is the guy we need as a leader. He's like, no, we need to hold each other accountable. So you start holding each other accountable. Creates mental toughness. Creates everybody knows if they fuck up, they're going to be called out on it. The coaching staff needs to start uh, coaching these dudes up. I don't know why we're paying you so much money if you can't coach them up. And then when you see that your quarterback is throwing 56% completion percentage, get him the fuck out the game. Get a guy in there that maybe can do it. Maybe, because let's put it this way, and I know I've said this numerous times, I don't think you would have to have no arms to be able to be worse than Shea Patterson. So I don't think D, I don't think Run DMC and Milton are going to be bad. I think there's no way they would have been worse than that. No possible way. Now listen, I know you're going to say, well, Milton had a bad track record in high school for completions. Now maybe there's a telltale sign there. So, but that's where I'm going to throw it on coaching. And I'll, I'll throw a little stats out here for you. Now, Joe Burrow, he's going to be the guy that we're using a lot in this, in this example this week. But Joe Burrow in high school, now he did his senior year in high school. His completion percentage, right? So he had 250 completions out of 346 attempts for 72%. Now, mind you, he threw 76% this year. Obviously improvement, but still accuracy was something he was good at. Now, run DMC himself. 204 completions out of 306 attempts for 66%. Pretty good. Uh, then also, then you have Milton. Now, Milton, this is where everybody bags on Milton, but I don't, I didn't, I, I don't know what kind of offense his team 
ran? Was it mainly running? Was it mainly an RPO that maybe he didn't have to throw so much? Because he had 90 completions for 100 out of 188 attempts. That's 47%. Okay, and you can't defend that. But then again, he only had 188 attempts. So that kind of says that that's a running team. It's not much of a pass-oriented oriented team, right? So I don't know where you can really go with that. All I know is in the Citrus Bowl practice, a lot of pundits or a lot of people who are in with the team said that Milton looked vastly better than last season. Looked like he had made improvements throughout the whole season. Now, I have always been a huge Run DMC fan. I love him. I love the way he plays the game. I love his leadership. He never seems to be he never seems to be rattled. But the biggest negative to this kid, and I've heard it plenty of times, is the biggest the the most important ability is availability, right? Or responsibility. But we'll go with availability now. So if he at in 19 games, he's only played in nine. 19 games he's played in, right? Or been available for. He's only been in nine because the rest he missed with an injury. <laughs> like, come on, man. You can't do that and expect to be the cornerstone of a national title or fuck it, dude, even a team that can beat the Buckeyes just once. You can't be that guy and then be injured. You can't be that aggressive of a football player. You can't you can't have the 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 aggression of like a you can't be super aggressive and have the body that he has. To have his aggression the way he plays, he needs to have the body of a Cam Newton. Or if you need to switch a, a, a Joe Milton. Cuz he's too tiny, he's too fragile. If he misses 8 games, why should he even be our starter because of fucking injury? I love the kid. I think his intangibles are numerous. And if he was, if he gained another 20 pounds, I think he could be the guy. But I think we already have the guy in Milton. Now, I don't know what his completion percentage is going to be, which scares me because when I picked Milton, I didn't realize his completion percentage was that bad. But that was in high school. That also seemed to be like a very run-oriented team. So, and plus he's had now three years in college to improve things. So I don't know, maybe he, maybe he's improved his, his completion percentage. Maybe his accuracy has gotten much better. I don't know. When I've seen him play, it doesn't look like he's that bad, but he's got the body type. He's got the arm. From what I hear, he's very intelligent when it comes to football IQ. So this is going to be one hell of a quarterback uh, fight this year, quarterback battle for the start because they both have their intangibles are very impressive and very similar. I just, if I had to pick solely based off of availability, availability, it's going to be Joe Milton. I love, I, I love Run DMC, but if he's sitting on the bench because once again Wisconsin or Penn State took his head off, what are we going to do? It's going to then take Milton a few weeks to build that rapport with the wide receivers, and that could put us back some. As in my opinion, this it's Milton all the way. But I'm just telling you, completion percentage, and our defense has to believe in our offense. Coaching, like I said, those are the three things. Accountability, coaching, 
and a quarterback. And you will see that Michigan can beat can beat high level teams. LSU did it with the 27th ranked team, 27th ranked defense in the nation. Michigan had the 10th. You're telling me if we didn't have Joe Burrow, we couldn't have won the national title? At the very least, we could have beat Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, and fucking Alabama. It's not that we have a lack of talent. It's that we have the lack of accountability and mental strength that makes a team whole. We didn't have a belief in our quarterback because our coaching staff refuses to take out those who are a hindrance to our team. And then they give him the MV fucking P of the team. Shea Patterson had three good games all season long and he got the MVP of the team. For this season. MVP. Meanwhile, Charbonnet had one of the best true freshman running back seasons I've seen since Mike Hart. Nowhere near a sniff for MVP. When they needed him the most against Army, he had a bigger day than Shea Patterson. He had a great day against Penn State. He had a great day against Notre Dame. He looked good against Ohio State and he looked good against Bama. You can't say that shit about Shea Patterson. But yet Shea Patterson gets envy fucking P. So this is where I'll call out Jim Harbaugh. Quit with your fucking favoritism of one fucking player and put in the person who needs to fucking play. And then don't fucking challenge our, our, our mental acuity by putting the MVP on Shea Patterson when he had three good games. All season long. Three. It's it's disrespectful to the fan to the fan base to do that kind of shit. Disrespectful, because you're gonna tell me Shea Patterson was the MVP of this fucking team? He had three good games. <laughs> get out of here. On that note, I'm gonna get out of here. But guys, just so you know. This is what we're looking at here. Those three things we improve, mindset, accountability with that, coaching, coaching up the right guys and giving the right guys the ability regardless of their year. I don't care if Run DMC is, is a further along as a, as a junior, senior, whatever the fuck he is. If Milton outplays him, I don't care if it's Cade McNamara. If Cade McNamara gets in there and starts completing 80% of his goddamn passes, then Cade fucking McNamara should be in the fucking game playing fucking football. It's about who produces on the field when you need them, not what year they are. Fuck that shit. Let's get to, I mean, produce, like production-based. Let it be like a sales environment. I learned that in sales. If you didn't know how to sell, you didn't eat because you couldn't make a goddamn dollar. So you had to learn to be productive. You're held accountable. Get the coaches to fucking coach and live up to those goddamn bloated salaries. And then three, our defense will fall in line. Our defense will have faith in those people there and will be good to go. I'd like to kill Tom. I mean Don Brown, because I did. I I told I need. I thought he needed to quit. I thought Don Brown needed to quit. But after I started looking at this and really looking at LSU and what they brought to the table and their overall season, 
No one believed in Shea Patterson. No one believed in him. Other than Harbaugh for some fucking reason. No one believed in Shea Patterson. When your leader completes 50 56% of his passes throughout a season, what the fuck is he doing starting? 56%! Every other pass was incomplete. And that's what we consider, that's what Harbaugh, the, the, the quarterback guru, that's the quarterback whisperer, and he finds that acceptable? That's where I take Jim Harbaugh to task. Is that his bullshit, whatever he thinks he's doing by being loyal to this idiot who ruined our season. Three good games and he gets the MVP of the season? Three? And I gave him credit for those three. He looked fantastic in those three. But three games don't make a season, bro. And when we needed him the most against Bama, he looked like shit. So, I'm going to get out of here. But guys, always like I always say, it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. I know I'm not very happy with how things played out this season, but I love them. I love this team more than anything in the world. I love them more than some family members, like I always say. But guys, uh, it is great to be a Michigan Wolverine. And always and forever, guys, go blue.